Hey, before we kick this off, uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, Ashley Jade, the uh, person, my cousin, who did our theme song, uh, she has an album out that uh, you should check out. Uh, you can find it on Reverb Nation, Spotify, other places, and I'll put a link out on our social media there and Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. So yeah, if you, if you like that opening theme song, you think it's the best part of our episode, and probably is, uh, then definitely give her a listen. Thanks. <laughs> episode of Sophia's Choice. Another? Another one, yeah. <laughs> Golden Girls podcast, as it were. Uh, I am still Alan, as I have been in all the prior episodes. Uh, Brent is still Brent. Ski is still Ski. And uh, today we're going to be doing... I've not always been Ski. Uh, he has been known as Jeff. Jeffrey. G-Off. Uh, yeah. Jeff K at work. Uh, he hated that. Our friend James used to call him G-Off. Mm-hmm. Um, no, then, he called me Kumo. Oh, Kumo. Yeah, he hated that too. What, what's Kumo from? I mean, his last name's Klimazuski, so I guess Kumo is like a, a shortening of that. Um, he just couldn't say it. So and yeah. then the I remember. Thing. What's that? Not into the whole brevity thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I know, I remember he pissed the ski off uh, royally. A kid that we went to school with named Derek um, was kind of trying to spell Ski's name backwards, but then just. Uh, ran it together in a way that wasn't actually accurate, but said it was like, I squeezed the milk um, or something like that. <laughs> I thought you made that up. I did not make it up. That oh. was Derek who made uh-huh. that up. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. Ski was not happy about that one either. Man, uh, I was a really testy kid, I guess. I, I don't know. I just think you were a kid who, uh, you were a nerd. Um, there's not really any way I around I am a it. nerd. No, I mean, you may be I'm, now. but I'm you're, much you're more a, accepting of myself now. You're a nerd now in the sense that people are like cool with being nerds. Uh, <laughs> but you were a nerd I back in I think you're being really generous. When, well, you were a nerd when nerds weren't cool and you weren't even the cool version of a nerd. <laughs> so, um, But you were a very nice guy. But I think you had some anger issues because of your, uh, you know, maybe being picked on. You also, you, you hit your growth spurt later than most other people. So you were... You know, significantly small man shorter. complex. Maybe. Um. <laughs> You're still a small man. <laughs> only, just tall. Only, yeah. <laughs> only in moral character. Right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I don't even know where I was going with any of that, honestly, at this point. Bad yeah. nicknames. Oh, yeah, just that, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Did, there was a guy at Warren mm-hmm. at, my high, at my high school that we didn't go to together who called me Geoff. <laughs> <laughs> but he like said it in a real weird way, and it was definitely derogatory. Mm. And I think the fact that he called me Geoff didn't bother me as much as who it was and how he said it. Mm, yeah, like I think it was the guy that bothered me more than anything else besides that. Mm-hmm. We had actually had a message on Instagram from Lisa. Um, Hi, Lisa. 
curious as to what the uh, ski awesome, was hello. short for. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I had mentioned it, and I said, you know, apparently your parents didn't like you because your name is <clears throat> Jeff with a G. Uh, your middle name is John with a J-O-N, not the traditional way. And then Klimazewski <laughs> is its whole bag of, <laughs> you know. I, I didn't realize challenges. J-O-N, John, is a lot more common than I realized. I've seen it a ton since oh, like, really? in my adult life. I have, yeah. I would still say it's less common than the, the more traditional. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, his parents, you know, really wanted to give him some challenges with, uh, <laughs> you know, Whenever he goes to Itchy and Scratchy Land, he never sees the yeah. G-E-O-F-F <laughs> license never plate. Never do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like Goffrey. <laughs> right. Or, or Joffrey. Oh, like. Joffrey, yeah. yeah. Um, More like Game of Thrones. The board. Right. <laughs> so, anyways, but uh, today we are going over Season 4, Episode 17, You Gotta Have Hope. And uh, even though I'm doing the intro, uh, Brent is actually going to be doing the recap today. Correct. So, correct. Um, I'll be uh, other than uh, Brent doing the recap, everything else will be a normal format, of course. Uh, picking our MVPs and rating out of eight slices of cheesecake mm-hmm. as we continue on this uh, long journey to find the best episode of the series. Mm-hmm. So, long whirlwind journey. journey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Um, long strange trip it will have been. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you, Brent. Um, for the recap yeah like alan mentioned you know season four episode 17 you gotta have hope uh the episode was written by barry finero uh who co-wrote sophia's wedding part one and mort nathan who co-wrote sophia's wedding part two (laughs) it was directed by terry (laughs) hughes who recently directed season four episode 16's two road together if you don't remember that was the one where dorothy and sophia go to disney world for some mother-daughter bonding and the original air date was february 25th 1989 Anything special happened on February 25th, 89 or otherwise? Uh, so February 25th um, is the fourth to the last day of February, 75% of the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> February 25th is my brother's birthday. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Informative. <laughs> you can use that at cocktail parties to impress your friends and loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking myself up. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I almost quit right there. <laughs> like with the whole recap? <laughs> Done. <laughs> it's like on some other shit happened MVP. And <laughs> How about that, folks? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but I was like, no, because if that joke doesn't land, <laughs> then the, uh, the, recap's gonna, the recap is going to be really short. <laughs> I, don't so. know, I just imagine you like, all right, I need to leave a break in the recap for my applause break. <laughs> the laughter should die down after about three and a half minutes. <laughs> Then I'll punch him with another one. Exactly. Um, So I did go ahead and throw in a bonus on there that uh, February 25th is also George Harrison's birthday. That's very cool. So um, my top 10 favorite songs written by George Harrison are all those years ago, Behind That Locked Door, Cracker Box Palace, Devil's Radio, Faster, For You Blue, Here Comes the Sun, Old Brown Shoe, Photograph, and Sour Milk Sea. Did you hear what I had said earlier? I we kind of had a, a laughter break there. The, the 25th is my brother's birthday. Oh, yeah. That's so I'll have to tell birthday. him that he oh, shares February 25th? One. Yeah, I'll have to tell him that he shares it with George Harrison. Exactly. Very nice. That's a really cool one to have. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, it's one of the top four I have, I would say. Oh, I did have one other um, little mention, a, a couple other uh, interactions that we'd had recently. Yeah, bring them yeah. on. Um, well, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Balbo had sent us a couple messages on Facebook. Okay. Um there was one, a recent episode uh, that involved um, Stan getting married that okay, we had recapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, unlucky in the relationship department, if a guy like Stan can get two people to marry him, then there's still hope for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, Are you talking to me? 
Well, no, that was just to our listening audience. Anybody who may be forlorn. Gotcha. You know, um, gotcha. <laughs> and uh, she said not to mention all the tail he was pulling and uh, pulling in during his marriage to oh, Dorothy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, but, and I said the impressive thing, that was a time before Tinder. So he uh-huh. was doing it the right? old-fashioned way of just mm-hmm. picking up women Asking in person. Yeah. yeah, They had to see his face when they said yes. Right, exactly. Going to the supermarket and the... You know, the loin of pork section, trying to look like a big man on campus. <laughs> exactly. Well, all he had to do was tell him that you know yeah, he sold George King George right. in his cart. <laughs> he just had to tell him that he sold fake poop for a living, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, but that and he's coming off." Quite the aphrodisiac. Um, but, Would you like a slide whistle? Right. <laughs> I don't know. That sounded way more sexual than I would have imagined it could have. So, <laughs> I'm impressed, Ski. Uh, well, I've used it many times. It works very well. Anyway, well, then there was just one other thing. I've where, sold many slide whistles. <laughs> have you? In your day as a traveling salesman. <laughs> How many slide whistles would you have to sell to make a profit, to make know. it worthwhile as a door-to-door slide? Well, you'd have to have a damn near 100% closing rate <laughs> to make a living wage off of selling slide whistles. Exactly. I mean, the Oriental Trading Company, they probably sell them, right? I mean, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're you right. got to sell them by, like, the... The double gross. Oh, right. Like, you'd be like, would you like to buy 144 slide whistles? Yeah, but the profit margin on 144 slide whistles ain't enough to buy a room at the Hojo Club. <laughs> right. So you need to drop at least three or four crates of them. In order. Depends on what they're made of. I mean, they're right. real high quality slide whistles. So. And there was a, a run on them, you know, like, well, we do a lot of Foley work. Yeah. <laughs> we need a, a solid slide whistle we can rely on. Right. Mm-hmm. Give us give us 50. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we had one other uh, mention from Jennifer, and she had just mentioned that she – there was a two-part episode that we had done recently, mm-hmm. but she – said she was late to the party because she didn't want to have to wait between the recap of part one and part oh, two. Gotcha. So she wanted okay. to be able to listen to yeah, them consecutively. Yeah. That's fun. Um, and that she did mention on that, that uh, she did confirm that she's in a uh, Kansas city, Missouri, not Kansas, not in Kansas, um, gotcha. which I think we discussed. Yeah. Um, yeah so right she was is. just confirming that. And that if we're ever, uh, right. if we ever come to town for a Colts game, she'd love to show us around her mm-hmm. fair city. Um, and that, uh, isn't it the show me state? Uh, Missouri, yes, I believe so. Missouri, yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's going to show us around the um, show me state. I like that. I um, I spent not a lot of time in Columbia, Missouri, mm-hmm. um, but I spent enough time that I was like, oh, I would really like to actually spend more time here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a nice, fun college town. I stopped there once for, I had lunch at, I had to look it up, some barbecue place, I had brisket, and I sat on the outdoor patio and people were watching whatever college football team is there in Columbia and that was fun but I stopped another time and got coffee at some little coffee shop or whatever mm-hmm. and this is the part that really stuck with me okay so I go and you know I'd been on the road so I, I order my coffee and then while I was waiting for it um, I went and I used the restroom in there in the restroom um they just had a big bowl of condoms oh. <laughs> and i was like this is a hip happening coffee shop right <laughs> and, you know, and they're a king george brand right <laughs> so. but yeah i was Extra like sensitive. yeah i just thought it's like wow this is really cool so way to go columbia missouri mm-hmm. so. well she she had mentioned in this that, and i thought this particularly mm-hmm. would uh would pique your interest um but that by taking us on tour what she meant was Taking her to our brewery and the uh, barbecue tour. Nice. Which I thought that sounds like a, about a perfect Brent day, it in my does. opinion. So, would you consider yourself to be a, a connoisseur of beer? Or um, 
just that you you know enjoy trying new ones here and there. Yeah, I enjoy trying new ones and everything. Okay. I use the Untapped app oh, okay. in order to keep track of you know. I think I'm up to like eighty some different that oh, you wow. tried over the course of time. Yeah, herbaries or whatever. Very nice. So. Yeah, so maybe if you ever find yourself out that uh, that direction, then mm-hmm. you can add a few more to your list. Yeah. I want to do barbecue. I'm oh, hungry well, yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out the coffee shop and the barbecue place that I went to. Um, I don't think it was Big Daddy's Barbecue in Columbia. I think we talked about previously, like, yeah. when we talked about Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was so excited. Me and Nicole, you know, at the risk of rehashing an old story, when we went to Kansas City, we uh, went to a place that was really highly rated, and we were super excited. We got out there. They had an outdoor dining area, mm-hmm. so it sounds like real familiar from what uh, you're saying. Yeah. Uh, we got up there, and they were still serving people, but they had closed an hour prior. Oh, okay. Like to, to new customers. Yeah. yeah. And uh, because it was middle of COVID, and they changed their hours. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. That's... And so we ended up having to go to a chain place, which was still okay, but mm. was not like I could smell the barbecue. It was going to be way better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I know there's the place that uh, I'm going in December with my dad to Houston. Um, actually, I think it might be right around the time this uh, episode is going to be airing or, you know, dropping for our, our listeners. Because um, I'll be, the Colts are playing against um, the Houston Texans on December 5th. I believe this episode will be hitting on December 6th, or maybe that was our last episode. But yeah. either way. Um, and there was a barbecue place there that was near the stadium that was really, uh, you know, particularly famous, I guess. Uh, but it was saying like, oh, you, yeah, but it's like you need to get there early because they sell out of their meat as the day goes on. <laughs> so if you're not there early, then, well, you know, by the time dinner rolls around, you know, you may not have any options. That's so. a really good business model, though. <laughs> Just yeah, sell well, out every time. I mean, I think barbecue places, you kind of have to have that business model because everything you don't sell that day it's is trash. just, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So. It was a fretboard coffee. Fretboard. Is where I'd stopped and got coffee. I wonder if Jennifer's ever uh, stopped at fretboard herself. Yeah, um, really good. I'd highly recommend it. Hey, sorry for uh, uh, for interrupting your recap for that. Luckily, we hadn't gotten into the recap proper, so I thought it was okay for me to remember that I hadn't mentioned a couple couple you said interactions. It was a hip place anyway. Fretboard's a cool name. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a guitar motif or whatever. Very nice. I almost bought a, a mug or a shirt or something, so because I really liked it. I'm sure, they appreciate your almost patron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, he did patronize. That's true. He did. Yeah. He, did he did buy, buy some coffee. Um, so anyways, so act one, scene one, uh, the episode starts off with, uh, Michael Jackson's bodyguard singing Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> um, you know, I'd never thought about it before, but I imagine you learn quite a few lullabies working at Neverland Ranch. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Dorothy makes an uncomfortable prison joke. Um, and was it the episode, same guy though that did, uh, yeah, he I didn't recognize that. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yep. Good, good catch. Yeah. So um, Dorothy makes an uncomfortable prison joke in another episode. That would be about as low as the Goldens would go. But spoiler alert, we go even lower in about 15 (laughs) minutes. Uh, So we find out that the Goldens are in charge of the Ladies Auxiliary Talent Show and that the auditions aren't going great. Uh, We're a little unsure of why the Goldens care since a Ladies Auxiliary is, by definition, an organization which supports a husband's fraternal or social organization. And the Goldens are currently unencumbered by the shackles of marriage. Yeah, that is odd. I don't know if they part of it. Yeah. <laughs> so Sophia's still technically married, right? Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> but, but she's not on the committee. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So um, so Sophia shows up and says she's got an act that will make the Goldens forget they're supporting an organization to which they've no business being affiliated. <laughs> Sophia introduces the Donatello triplets who, fun fact, are played by three real-life triplets. 
So the Donatello triplets do a spirited take on the Pointer Sisters hit song, Neutron Dance. Uh, the original was produced by Richard Perry, who'd worked with birthday boy George Harrison on Ringo's version of Photograph. And the Pointer Sisters version was popularized by its inclusion in the first Beverly Hills Cop movie. Hmm. And if you've not watched Beverly Hills Cop recently, I encourage you to do so. It definitely holds up. And if you have watched it recently or you just don't have, you know, time to spare, you know, you could stop listening to this and go watch that. But <laughs> if you're still out of time, you know, I encourage you to check out the Pointer Sisters Neutron Dance music video on the YouTube. You'll get all your favorite parts from Beverly Hills Cop plus some sweet, sweet dance moves you can add to your own repertoire. <laughs> now, would you say, Brent, that if somebody is uh, having to make the choice between rewashing something else that is a high, you know, quality entertainment, mm-hmm. um, you know, Beverly Hills Cop as yeah. an example, mm-hmm. should they do that or should they listen to our show, which they've never heard before? Mm-hmm. Um, like if you've recently, if you've rewatched Beverly Hills Cop within the last five years, okay, okay, then yeah, keep keep on heading down the path you're heading down without a waste of time. Okay, but if it's been <laughs> over five years since you last watched Beverly Hills Cop, I'd yeah, give it another watch. Jump you off know? the cast and go watch it. Exactly, exactly. You know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of good entertainment that's happened five years ago or further back that I haven't seen within the last five years. Okay, so, so maybe 10, 15 years. I'd say if you if you haven't seen no, you should finish our fucking episode. No, I'll just go with that. You finish <laughs> our episode, then you go watch all the other stuff. The Mm-hmm. references exactly and then once you get caught up on all of that stuff go back and re-listen to our episode <laughs> from season one episode 20 <laughs> adult education <laughs> exactly yeah. i hear it's a good one exactly <laughs> i hear opposite and then, <laughs> and then rejoin us when we do our recap of season four episode 18 <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah no by all means finish this episode yeah I, yeah, yeah once you get into it i guess it doesn't matter we got the numbers but <laughs> we, would oh, still yeah. like it. <laughs> we have no idea who finishes this thing <laughs> right but we hope you finish the episode but then yeah then follow brent's advice and you know get a rewatch or a first watch of beverly hills uh, yeah or just the neutron dance music video okay. with the pointer sisters fair enough balky uh, makes an appearance oh, does he really? <laughs> yeah um i, I I think he's like Bronson Pinchot. I think he's playing the same character he plays in Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, okay. Serge, I think his name was. That sounds right. Um, but this time, Serge is um, working in the movie theater hmm. that's playing Beverly Hills Cop, which the Pointer Sisters are doing the soundtrack to. And it's a great, odd. Seems music very movie. meta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that was... but, but, it, but it's odd because, like, so the Pointer Sisters did Neutron Dance, and it was a big ass hit in like '84. Right. And now, five years later. <laughs> <laughs> the Donatello triplets are playing. And I don't understand, like, are the Goldens like, oh, man, this was my jam back in the day? <laughs> or are they hearing the song for the first time? Or do they understand as a Pointer Sisters song? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. I would think so. I think it's just that they've had a, a dearth of talent so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anybody that comes in that is able to show... Like you some know. rhythm. Yeah, and- <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, here, uh-huh. they're doing a, a cover of this yeah. you know, popular song. Yeah. Then uh, I think that they're... The song that was popular five years ago. <laughs> Still, but I mean, how many you know bands do a cover of a song that's literally popular on the radio at that moment? Like, that'd be, I feel like, more well, awkward. What was the bodyguard singing, though? Who what? The body- oh, he was oh, doing Puff. Puff the Magic Dragon. Yeah, that, yeah. Sorry, that was 40 years, years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> or 20 years earlier, yeah, 20, anyway. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, 
So anyways, the Sophia attempts to negotiate on behalf of the Donatella triplets, but the Goldens say no dice. Uh, the next act to audition is one half of a juggling troupe. Unfortunately, you need both halves of a juggling act in order for it to be successful. A single juggler leaves something to be desired, but two parties working together in total harmony? That's synergism. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it coming. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, I thought that, that uh, the joke was funny that you made. Yeah. Um, the, the bit, it's one of those stupid little things where, like, it just bothers my, it, it, it pushes me away from my, what's it called? Um, oh, uh, when you can watch something but not worry. Suspension worried. of disbelief. Exactly, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Just because I'm like, why wouldn't he ju- He could juggle on his own. He didn't have to do the parts where he's throwing them. <laughs> like, he could have just juggled on his own. Yeah. And it's, it would have been a halfway decent, maybe not as good uh-huh. as it is with his brother. Yeah. But the idea that he is so locked into this routine that he just can't continue just on. Memory. Yeah. <laughs> it just, like that just had little things like that. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, uh, so we end Act One and we transition into this episode's first commission commits. Um, first, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we mentioned that the Donatello triplets are played by real life sisters, the Del Rubio triplets. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Del Rubio triplets were actually born near Panama City. Uh, I'm sorry, the Panama Canal in 1921, and they were named the Boyd triplets at birth. Uh, and so the Boyd triplets were direct descendants of the Disney character Pocahontas, and through marriage, uh, really? were related to Woodrow Wilson. Wow, that's pretty impressive. That's yeah. a very interesting history. Yeah. So Edith, Elena, and Millie performed under their Christian name, uh, the Boyd triplets, um, from the 40s until the 1960s. And a big portion of that time was spent working with Charo's husband, uh, Xavier Cuga. Uh, and among their bandmates was Desi Arnaz. Wow. So, so as I mentioned, you know, they started off as the Boyd triplets, but in 1965, uh, when they became 44-year-old orphans upon the death of their mother, (laughs) they decided to change their name to Del Rubio, and they'd already been dyeing their hair blonde, so they decided to double down by renaming themselves the Spanish equivalent, because Del Rubio uh, means of the blonde. Oh, okay. Very nice. Uh, so beyond their work with Xavier Cuga, they also appeared in numerous Bob Hope specials during the 1950s. Huh. And it was during the 80s, though, that their career really took off. And beyond Bob the Hope special, you say? Yeah. <laughs> so besides the Golden Girls, uh, they made an appearance on David Letterman's show, uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, Night Court, Full House, and Married with Children, among other stuff. Mm. Um, so the Del Rubio triplets said that they put their career before their personal lives and that despite numerous offers, they never married because the act comes first. Right. So, like this podcast, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So in 1996, the eldest Del Rubio, Edith, uh, caught the cancer and shortly and died shortly thereafter. Wait, wait. Eldest? I thought they were actually triplets. Well, I mean, she was born first of the three. Okay. They didn't I guess. come out side by side. <laughs> well, when you say eldest, it seems. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> within within seconds or minutes, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I think between the first and the third, there was a 15-minute increment. Gotcha, gotcha. So. <laughs> so you think she was like the head of the family once the mom passed away? Because <laughs> exactly. Hey, I was born two minutes before. Yeah, all exactly. those extra minutes of wisdom. I'd like to think, you know, the, the doctor, like the first one comes out, he grabs a Sharpie and puts, <laughs> puts a number a one. one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the... Um, so in 96, uh, Edith Del Rubio, uh, she died. And then Elena and Millie retired the act. Okay. okay. So then in 2001, Elena um, also caught the pneumonia, and she rejoined Edith. And then 10 years later in 
2011, uh, that's when Millie died. So, and basically, I think she just did that in order to get the band back together. <laughs> so, you think they're up there rocking out in heaven now? Yeah. Now, do you think that they kept the Del Rio last name, or did they uh, switch it back since the mom's up there? Okay, so, <laughs> Del so Rubio. Del Rubio, sorry. So, they're currently doing a full time engagement at the Holy Cross Cemetery, Section M, Lot 422, Graves ah. 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> And so I went to find a picture of their tombstone, mm-hmm. you know, in hopes that it would say, you know, here lie the Del Rubio triplets. Their boots were made for walking. <laughs> um, but it turns out they went with three separate headstones. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, here's where it gets interesting to me. <laughs> okay. This is where it gets interesting? Yeah. So Mildred, last Del Rubio standing, mm-hmm. opted to be married, buried under the Boyd name. Oh, really? Yeah. And so it makes me wonder if, you know, she spent those last 10 years alone by herself, really wishing she'd have <laughs> taken a different path and had a family. <laughs> yeah. Instead of dying alone. Exactly. Yeah, because the other two at least have their sisters by their side. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, if you go out there at a Holy Cross Cemetery section in lot 422, you'll see two Del Rubios and a Boyd. <laughs> where, where, where is the Holy Cross Cemetery? Do you know offhand? Uh, Culver City. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe she was uh, thinking that, well, they took the Del Rubio name at the end. I'm the last uh, one to potentially throw a bone to you know, the Boyd name. Mm-hmm. And so well, yeah, she's like, I don't know if they had any brothers or anything, but mm-hmm. you know, it would have been the end of the line since yeah. none of them had families. Yeah, it was. So, so maybe that was a, a, a last tribute or something. I guess. I don't know. So, anything like uh, season two or scene two starts off in the Golden's kitchen. Okay. Uh, Dorothy's at her customary seat at the table, and a flustered Blanche walks in with terrible news. Apparently, they're missing their MC for the talent show. Uh, they'd originally gone with Kent Ferguson, and it's assumed that Rune Royer Lamech was already booked. <laughs> so, the reason that quite Kent... the MC, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know we're quite fond of it. <laughs> so, the reason that Kent is unavailable is because he's filling in for an ailing Willard Scott. Mm. Uh, just as a side note, Ken Levine um, recently featured a list of wacky sitcom tropes on his blog and said that basically if you see these things, it's hack. Okay, And amongst them, he included jokes about Willard Scott. Oh, okay. So whether this scene is an example <laughs> of him being right or an exception to his rule, oh, you know, okay. I'll leave it up to you guys to decide. <laughs> I think it's great that he puts like, oh, if you see a, a, a mention of Willard Scott, who, how long ago did Willard Scott die? Uh, fairly recently. Yeah, but I mean, he. Okay, let me rephrase it. How long ago was Willard Scott like a member, you know, like a, a really public figure? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while since it would have been a topical joke yeah. at all. Yes. <laughs> but, so. anyways. Uh, so, anyway, Sophia enters the kitchen, offers up the Donatello triplets as an act, and says they're a part of a package deal with a local magician, the great Alfonso, nay Seymour. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great Alfonso attempts to pull a rabbit out of his hat, but unfortunately, this absent-minded prestidigitator brought the wrong hat. Sophia says that Seymour's a great lover and that she can turn him into a great magician as well. <laughs> uh, Rose enters and is, and is informed that they're missing their MC and actual talent. Uh, Rose offers up Bob Hope as the MC. Right. She then claims that Bob is her fa- Bob Hope is her father, that the Nylons were her adoptive parents, and presumably the Lindstroms she previously claimed were her parents are as real as Billy Barty's basketball career. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my working theory on all of this is... <laughs> You like that? Yeah, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, I like the alliteration of it, too, with Billy Barty's basketball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like a little alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so my working theory on all of this is that the Nylons adopted Rose. Uh, she met Charlie selling insurance in the front yard when they brought her home, mm-hmm. and the Nylons weren't on board with her dating her brother. So Rose got sent back into the system <laughs> where she was later adopted by the Lindstroms. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so Rose then tells the Goldens how, like most orphans, uh, she daydreamed about who her real parents could be. And one day while at the movies, uh, she saw Bob Hope, and then she debuted her patented, My Father, scream. <laughs> Uh, Dorothy and Blanche don't quite know how to react to this newfound information. Uh, Blanche asks Rose if she still believes that Bob Hope is her father. Rose says that her faith in Bob Hope got her through some tough times. And then the thought of a recently widowed Rose using her one birthday wish to have her deadbeat dad Bob Hope show up at her empty St. Olaf kitchen is probably one of the roughest times in that sunshine cadet's life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There was a lot. There was a lot packed into that phrase or that uh, (laughs) that paragraph. So (laughs) I'll pause for a moment while you interject. (laughs) Well, I wanted to check. There, There was one part. I mean, that was that was a great recap of that entire interaction. Okay. Now, was it before or after that that they had the meeting with the ladies' auxiliary? Um, that... oh, that's coming up. Okay, all right. Great. Yeah. I just want to make sure there was a particular part in that that I thought was... That's the very next scene. Okay, good deal. Uh, so, yeah, everything. I think you covered well anything that I had noticed in okay. that in that whole interaction. <laughs> I have no notes. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm glad the synergism is strong. Yeah. <laughs> Very centered. Uh, exactly. So Act 1, Scene 3 uh, takes place in the Golden's living room. Uh, they're hosting a meeting of the Women's Auxiliary that they're suddenly heavily invested in. Uh, the first order of business is to give uh, Doris Levy a round of applause for having a son who needed to be deprogrammed after joining a religious cult. Yeah. Doris stands to humbly accept their applause. <laughs> uh, the next order of business is the talent show. Frida accuses the Golden's of botching the talent show. Blanche accuses Frida of sleeping with Sophia's ex, Japanese guard. Toshiro. Yeah, that was the most. That was the part I wanted to make sure that we mentioned because you know she, she. I don't know if you remember that specifically, see, but she says, you know, after they're under attack basically for their mishandling of this talent show, um, she's like, yeah, well, I heard that you've been sleeping with the Japanese guy who blows leaves out of your driveway, uh-huh. and the only possible person yeah. would be Toshiro since yeah. he was Which their gardener. Literally was a yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. season two, episode eight, vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best, uh, you know, love interests that never got developed on this series, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, just completely dropped. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And um, I know it's one of those things that I know Ski took that episode to heart because he's using lawn care to try to woo right. as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, do you remember me talking about that episode at all? Like no, how... but I remember you talking about how you were mowing a lady's grass and hoping <laughs> getting some on the side. <laughs> so... And then during the 20 minutes, her husband was at the store. Exactly. <laughs> oh, like, you guys. It's his fault for leaving her unattended. That is true. No, but uh, because I sometimes have to watch it on the uh, the, the weird web, like Daily Motion page. Uh, yeah, Sputnik.com. Like, <laughs> well, it had left part of the episode out. Mm. And so when I watched again, I saw the whole episode, and there were giant chunks. Because uh-huh. I think I initially watched it on YouTube. Oh, okay. right. And if for whatever reason they had chopped parts of it out, mm-hmm. probably for copyright. Yeah. yeah. But then there was like huge portions mm-hmm. of like the whole side story that I had never seen. I was like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> what is going on here? Why is why do I not remember any of this? That's funny. I'm sorry. So is this before or after we recorded our episode? 
What do you mean? Like before? Like when you went back and rewatched? Oh, it I, I rewatched it. it before we before we did the recording. Gotcha. As part of your recap, or whatever. Yeah. So okay. I had I had already seen the extra parts that I had missed before we got together. Gotcha. But still, it was jarring I, because I was like. <laughs> What else have I potentially missed on other episodes? Gotcha. This was recently. You're like, hey, Brent, handle my recap. I want to go back and rewatch the Toshiro episode. <laughs> it was solid. You know, it was real solid. Well worth the trip. Yeah. Well worth your time. <laughs> exactly. In my defense, you volunteered. I did. And I, did. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, no problem. No problem. Glad and you're help. doing a great job. No problem. Glad to thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Like the George Harrison stuff, like like you know all the extra stuff about synergism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so Dorothy and Blanche defend their progress. Rose shows up and announces she's booked Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is enough to break up the meeting, and those auxiliary ladies leave the Goldens to their planning. Uh, Dorothy and Blanche ask a few questions of Rose, determine that it's not likely she actually booked Bob Hope, and Act Two ends with them back where they started, MC list. Yeah. Um, anything else to add for? Act one. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I thought it was a solid act overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I know there's a part where she says, you know, when she's trying to tell them about how she mm-hmm. has booked Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I can't remember what the means was or what her, her way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, she talked to. A receptionist. Yeah, it was somebody, yeah, <laughs> a very, very loose contact. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, she says, what you need is faith. And they said, what you need is a psychiatrist who enjoys a challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> on the next bit. Oh, here. is that the next bit? Yeah. Oh, it's a little off. I thought yeah. the uh, the women's auxiliary were, like, almost attacking him. Oh, I know. It, yeah. was, it was pretty unnecessarily it rough. It was a group of people that I would not want to be part of. <laughs> like, yeah, I think he was like, you know what? I'm done. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this next act begins with Dorothy entering the Golden's kitchen and relaying to Blanche and Sophia that the auxiliary ladies didn't take kindly to being lied to about Bob Hope. Sophia tells a story about a man from her village. Blanche and Dorothy are disappointed that the man wasn't a celebrity of some sort. Sophia tells them that she's enjoying a cup of tea, not pretending to be Somerset mom. Presumably, this reminds Blanche of Somerset's book of human bondage. There's no indication of what this reminds Dorothy of, but I'd like to think she thought of Somerset's service during World War I and how he was an ambulance driver with Ernest Hemingway, Walt Disney, hamburger peddler Ray Kroc, and Indianapolis Motor Speedway owner Tony Holman. Hmm. But again, I'm just speculating. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting variety there. Exactly. So Rose returns home, asks if Bob Hope called, and advised that, you know, she's crazy by the other Goldens. She tells them that she isn't crazy. Bob Hope is over at the golf course. Dorothy and Blanche head over to speak with Mr. Hope, but not before telling grief counselor Rose that she needs professional psychological help. Yeah. That was my favorite line of the episode, though. Um, yeah. Where the one that I, I guess, stepped on already since I was little ahead. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah. How'd it go exactly? I was just, <laughs> she said what you need is, Rose okay, says yeah, what, what you need is faith, and yeah. then it was replied to, and what you need is a psychiatrist who enjoys a challenge. So... That was a Dorothy line. Yeah. Just to be clear. Cool. So we transition to the men's locker room at the golf course. Uh, the Goldens are dressed in men's clothing and loitering around. They've gone to quite a bit of trouble to blend in. Dorothy has even hung up a Thomas Kincaid calendar in her locker and stocked <laughs> it with men's deodorant. <laughs> uh, Blanche says that Bob Hope just finished his round of golf and that he should be in momentarily. Dorothy says it doesn't matter. He's not going to do a solid for three dudes who look like Sam Sneed with a hormone problem. Mm. Uh, for those that don't know, um, you know, Sam Snead is the Larry Bird of golf. He's widely considered one of the greatest ever. And in fact, he holds the record for the most PGA Tour event wins. 
He had 82 victories, including seven majors. Uh, but when it comes to the U.S. Open, he was the Alf Landon of golf. He never won one, but he mm. did come in second place on four separate occasions. <laughs> <laughs> so Blanche Poor Sneed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Blanche Investigates announces that Bob Hope has left the golf course. He was last seen headed to the airport. Rose says that cannot be. He has to stay in town because the talent show isn't until the following following night uh, my working theory is that bob hope was just catching a helicopter to the nearest boat show right <laughs> uh, the other goldens console rose with a hug uh two men wearing nothing but towels walk in see the goldens hugging and without any sense of irony criticize the antique dealer on the membership committee mm. it's almost enough to make you long for dorothy's awkward prison joke <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was one of the rougher ones <laughs> that yeah. they've done in general um i did like i don't know if like is exactly the right word but <laughs> But Rose's line where she was like, maybe I'm just a foolish old woman who lived a, a fantasy or a whole life um, or a silly fantasy or a whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, that's when they all break into mm-hmm. the tears and start consoling each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like that's a, that last joke is one that could have been left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. So we transition to the night of the talent show. Uh, the Del Rubio triplets are doing their rendition of These Boots Are Made for Walking. Uh, it's not as solid as their Neutron dance, but this performance is for a paying audience, so I guess they're trying to give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorothy introduces half of a juggling act. Uh, we get a repeat of the first episode, uh, the first half of the episode's best joke, but without the punchline. <laughs> uh, Sophia's on the side of the stage, making another case for the great Alfonso to go on. Uh, Dorothy acquiesces, and Seymour and Sophia take the stage. Although they'd been rehearsing with Seymour in her box, this time they decide that Sophia <laughs> would go into his. <laughs> well, she said he was a fine lover. Exactly. So, <laughs> so long story short, uh, Rose and the Goldens join Seymour on stage. Rose says a few words, and then she's upstaged by Bob Hope. Bob tells a series of Ronald Reagan jokes, and the episode ends with the still deluded Rose thanking her dad for finally showing up. Yeah, that was a, an awkward ending. I mean, just yeah. just the line of her where it's like, yeah, she can just keep going on with her, yeah. you know, delusion. Maybe yeah. it was just something though where it's like, you know, Bob Hope was, you know, one of the biggest or was one of the yeah. biggest landowners in California. He you was. know, quite financially successful. Yeah. So maybe there was also a little bit of that, uh, you know, gold digging that we we're not privy to. Possibly. <laughs> so, um. For our second uh, Max's Condition Kibitz for the episode, uh, we've got a little bit about Bob Hope here. Uh, Bob Hope was born in 1903, uh, was the son of a stonemason, which is not the same as being the son of a stonecutter. He started in show business at the age of 12 in Cleveland, Ohio, busking on the streetcar to Luna Park. By 1925, he was part of the vaudeville circuit. And while traveling with a set of conjoined twins named the Hilton Sisters, Bob decided that him and his buddy George should get in on that action. And so they toured for a brief period as Siamese twins before Bob was convinced that he was funnier by himself. Alas, it was not before he tried his Siamese twins routine in blackface. Ah, so, did he really? Yeah. Wow. So uh, he later finds success in radio, TV, and the movies. And obviously we don't have enough time to talk about all of that or him yeah. being a successful landowner or whatever. But I'd like to take a moment to give a shout out to his comic book, The Adventures of Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 109 issues of this bi-monthly comic published by DC Comics from 1950 really? to 1968. So originally started in order to combat the decline in superhero comics in the 1950s, The Adventures of Bob Hope would start to decline itself in the mid-60s. Okay. And so DC decided to add some topical humor to the book, and the character of Super Hip was born. <laughs> Super 
Super yeah. hip. Yes. So super hip is the alter ego of Bob's nephew, uh, Tad Walliter Jutfruis. <laughs> Tad Walliter attends That's Benedict. That's a great name. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to Benedict Arnold High School, and when he transforms into super hip, he uses his electric guitar to force people to dance uncontrollably to his groovy rock and roll music. Sounds like a supervillain more than a superhero. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Because he's a superhero, he does have a weakness, and Superhip's weakness is the music of Lawrence Welk. Oh, okay. So beyond appearing in The Adventures of Bob Hope, Superhip would make appearances in Doom Patrol and Batman's The Brave and the Bold, and I really hope DC finds a way to introduce Superhip into their burgeoning multiverse. Yeah. So. They've got the Doom Patrol uh, show. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect entry. Exactly. And then one last thing I'd like to mention about Bob Hope. Uh, one of the very first jokes I can remember learning was a Bob Hope joke. Okay. So um, I was at my paternal grandparents' house, and there I don't know if it was a USO special or a Bob Hope special or something, but Bob Hope was on the TV. It was special one way or the other. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and so, like, so my papa Bill, you know, he looked like Bob Hope, and I remember wondering if that was – part of the attraction here because mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out the jokes or why, you know. But anyways, um, so Bob then told a joke, and I'm quoting this from memory, okay? AT&T has decided to merge with Playboy. Now you can reach out and touch something worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, as a 12-year-old boy, I found that joke hilarious. Right. Right? And I definitely repeated that at school <laughs> every day for probably the next month. <laughs> I, I would like to think that while you were telling it, you were also doing your best Bob Hope impersonation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... Huh. So yeah, uh, that was my that was my recap. Very nice, very uh, nice indeed. Yeah. Um, well, quite a few uh, guest stars in that particular episode, mm -hmm. but Brent's already covered a couple. Obviously, Bob Hope um, mm -hmm. playing himself. I'm a little disappointed that Brent didn't go through all 975 of his credits. <laughs> <I'm almost laughs> all 975 awards and honorariums. Right. <laughs> but this was his only Golden Girls. Um, we also had a uh, the uh, the Del Rubio sisters that he had mentioned, also known as the the Boyd triplets. The Boyd, Boyd mm -hmm. triplets. Yep. Um, so eleven acting credits to their name. I believe he went over all the uh, all the highlights. Mm -hmm. um, Andre Rosie Brown again. That was our uh, returning bodyguard. Mm -hmm. um, this is his uh, second of two Golden Girls episodes. Mm -hmm. He played a bodyguard like quite a few times. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. Another uh, typecast guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we had. Uh, let's see. Uh, Douglas Seal, he played Seymour, 40 mm -hmm. titles to his name. Um, he was the Sultan in Aladdin. Mm -hmm. He um, was. He was on uh, Rags to Riches. I bet that's a oh, show Sherry watched or oh. enjoyed. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. um, and this is his first of two Golden Girls, so we will see him again. And he also played uh, Santa, Santa in Ernest Saves Christmas. Mm -hmm. So um, We also had uh, June Clayman. She played Phyllis, 15 mm -hmm. titles for her, and this was her only Golden Girls. Mm -hmm. Linda Rand played Frida, 12 mm -hmm. titles for her. This is her first two Golden Girls, and we'll see her back in uh, season five. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Resson played Misha, 13 titles for his name, only Golden Girls. Patrick Stake played a uh, man in locker room, mm -hmm. uh, 31 titles for him, and this was his only Golden Girls. Um, he, um, Patrick Stack. Mm -hmm. So um, he's Tim Stack's brother. Oh, is he? Yeah. It would be disappointing to be Patrick Stack when you're Tim Stack's brother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't think being Tim Stack's a great thrill. <laughs> not not <laughs> huge, but certainly better than Patrick. Who's Tim Stack? I recognize the name, but um, I can't place it. I never watched Son of the Beach, but he was on that. Okay. But he was on My Name is Earl and Raising Hope playing like a drunk version of himself. You'd recognize his face very easily. Okay. Um, I mean, he's a longtime character actor kind of yeah. a guy. Um, yeah. But 
Son of the Beach, he was like the lead on that. Like he played basically. I never the, did watch that one. He was like that show's version of David Hasselhoff. <laughs> he yeah, was yeah. kind of like, <laughs> uh, you know, far less the attractive. Only, yeah, the only thing I know about Son of a Beach didn't Howard Stern directed or something or write for it. I don't know. I don't believe so. Um, maybe I don't, maybe produced it or something. I don't know. So and then this and also we had uh, Cynthia Lee Clark. She was the seamstress. Uh, 97 uh, credits for her. 56 as an actress. This is her third of five Golden Girls episodes. Um, she was also in The Audit, Yokel Hero, and then a couple more coming up in seasons five and seven. <laughs> All of them, I believe, she's uncredited, though. So Yokel Hero wasn't that long ago. Yeah, that was just a really recent episode. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so quite a few. And I, I, I think I said Bob Hope already, right? Yeah. Um, he, he was in this episode. He was. <laughs> <laughs> so who he was your... the MC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not as good as MC Hepcat or whatever. <laughs> Rune Boy, yeah, Lamech. <laughs> yeah. But still, fine. Fine MC, nonetheless. Yes. So, Synergism at its finest. <laughs> right. So, Ski, who got your MVP for this episode? I, I think I'm going to give it to Bob Hope, honestly. Really? I kind of like the jokes at the end. And yeah. I mean, honestly, in one way or another, the entire plot was revolved around him. That is true. That yeah. is true. Maybe sway my vote here. How about you, Brent? Oh, definitely Bob Hope. I mean, it came out, delivered eight lines, and killed on mm-hmm. every single one of them. Yeah, <laughs> like I, it was I, just like nothing but punchlines, just <laughs> bam, bam, bam. See, I was going to go with Misha, you but I guess Bob uh, Hope and pay him to do exposition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he has done dramatic acting um, in all of his appearances, because I mean, I just I always associate him with like he is a you know very much like the stand comedian type mm-hmm. yeah um, i can't almost imagine him acting in something different mm-hmm. than that yeah. but uh well he had uh on the road movies right yeah yeah with uh who was he with bing crosby bing crosby yeah, he did yeah. a lot of those yeah. those were all comedies right yeah, yeah he um that was one of his things because he hosted the academy awards mm-hmm. you know like 19 Part times yeah. and but he was never nominated for an actual like he got like Four different like honorarium lifetime achievement oh, Oscars, okay. <laughs> um, but he never actually got nominated for his acting or whatever. And he had a bit where, when you're just like, you know, welcome to the Academy Awards, as we call it at my house, Passover. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's a good joke too. Yeah. Well, I think I was going to give it to his daughter, but I'll go ahead and go with Bob Hope as well. <laughs> so we'll Bob like Hope's it. daughter? Yeah, Rose. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll stick with you guys. I think Rose gets enough votes for MVP, so. Uh, we'll go mm-hmm. with Bob Hope and uh, make it a clean sweep for the guest star. Um, how many slices of cheesecake? So, so Bob's got three votes for MVP. Mm-hmm. So that puts him ahead of Dorothy and <laughs> probably for does. This. Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I think Blanche. You know, she's she's caught up at this point, but it took both of them, I think, like halfway into the season to get their first yeah. MVP vote. <laughs> exactly. So it's and they've had fine performances all season uh-huh. long, but just not standout uh, yeah, yeah. ones as much. But you know, Bob had a, a solid. One minute on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he did. It's a favorite one minute. Well, anyways, uh, and you did kind of pass over the. Uh, I, I like the little the way they introduced him because mm-hmm. it was like the Sophia went into the box um, uh-huh. to disappear, and then he couldn't. You know, the figure Alfonso out. couldn't figure out how to get her back, mm-hmm. and then Bob Hope comes walking out of the box. It was a good transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought it was fun. But yeah. how many slices did this one get for you, Ski? See, and, and this is probably partly why I gave it to Bob Hope is because I didn't really like this episode a ton. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, uh, Brent's recap better than I think I liked the actual episode. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, so I'm going to give it a, a three and a half. 
How about you, Brent? I gave it 7.75. Wow, you loved this episode? I wow. did. I thought it was solid. I'm a big Bob Hope fan. <laughs> I like Bob Hope fine, but I <laughs> the one minute of Bob Hope doesn't make up for the 22 minutes <laughs> of mediocrity. Um, yes. And um, like I even made sure I typed it out, 7.75, because I was like, you know, I don't want to get it's here. It's not like, perfect, but it's darn close. <laughs> exactly. It's one of those things that, like, I could just see Alan being furious because I give it eight slices <laughs> <laughs> simply because of the last one minute. He, he'd call me a son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and you second. just can't take that kind of criticism, so he knocked a quarter star off or a quarter slice off. Exactly. <laughs> he just didn't want to. Some, some crumbs of the graham cracker crust. <laughs> right. But I'm definitely glad I did because he's low score. I need something to get it in contention. Oh, well, it won't be in contention because it has a similar low score for me. Oh. I gave it a three and a half also. Oh. I thought it was a little below average i didn't think it was a bad episode per se we only had a couple bad episodes this season um veteran brother can i spare a jacket certainly yeah um like i said there's only been a couple bad ones that's yeah. that is one um but yeah like i said overall i, I didn't didn't mm-hmm. love the episode um it's not one that i think i'd go back and you know specifically pull up to revisit again mm-hmm. um, i watched the bob hope clip on the youtubes oh just the one minute yeah yeah, yeah well that's fine there's but Reagan there's jokes. 22 <laughs> other minutes that you'd have to <laughs> if you wanted to watch the episode so Anyways, but with that, uh, I divided here on our scores, but I think Brent probably gave it that score knowing that it wasn't likely to be mm-hmm. an actual contender. Yeah, but. I just like you said, you know, Bob Hope's a, just a comedian's comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like joke after joke after joke like that. Mm. Yeah, he's definitely a, a rapid fire kind of a joke teller. Exactly, so. like a Mitch Hedberg or, you know. What do you prefer in a comedian? Do you prefer someone who's just like joke, 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 or do you like story jokes? Um... I generally just like joke. Like, and it's like I think Norm McDonald's is you know the exception mm-hmm. to the rule because um, I do enjoy his anecdotes and the the roundabout way he takes. Yeah, he does throw the punchline in yeah, at the end yeah, a lot of times. Exactly, but somebody like Mitch Hedberg, that's all he does. Yeah. it's like you know just a joke and then a joke and then a joke. There's no exposition. There's no backstory. Anything like that, and I just appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And Bob Hope's that kind of you know the predecessor to that i appreciate that i guess i think of it that if i was you know ever to you know if i would have ever tried that route i think i would have been a storyteller so i I tend Uh to enjoy the storytellers Uh just a little bit more but i certainly like the ones that are just rapid fire joke tellers too yeah yeah mitch hedberg um is an excellent example yeah anyways um we were talking my wife and i yesterday uh mitch hedberg i forget how it came up oh so we were driving past the um the uh the dry cleaner in our neighborhood and every time we drive by there it's rest in peace somebody (laughs) you know it's all it is is just a parade of corpses there and and she where's this out of you the dry cleaner yeah the dry cleaner um there on main street in beach grove and she said something about that i was like well it's because their clientele is all elderly like Mm. young people aren't taking their clothes to the dry cleaner (laughs) so all they know are people who are dying (laughs) and then i was like you know mitch hedberg has a joke saying you know this shirt is dry clean only that means it's dirty (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i got a kick out of that joke yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's a shame he he, uh he died at such a young age Mm -hmm. i agree yeah uh, sometimes uh, genius is like that. That's why this may be your last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that recaps the way I'm going to go out. Right. Uh, I don't know. Burn, burn out bright, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bright and young. I think that we we still have enough episodes left to go that if one of you died, I, I think we still haven't passed the point to where I would want to finish the series. Mm. Um, so I think we'd have to be in season seven at least for me mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, we should finish it out just 
you know, in mm-hmm. uh, memoriam, more or less. Yeah. But season four, nah, we'll just be done if one of us dies, I think. <laughs> yeah. I won't speak for you two. You two can keep going without me. That's fine. Yeah. But. Um, I just, I'd have to audition uh, Pick Me's uh, editing skills <laughs> to see if you could like, post this stuff. You don't have any idea what my editing skills are like since you've never listened to an episode. <laughs> Maybe that's what's holding us back. <laughs> was my editing. <laughs> wow, that's a deep yeah. dig. <laughs> Yeah, it's not our lack of effort when it comes to social media or anything like that. Exactly. It's, it's, it's me. That's fine. I'm all right with that. Um, it is funny. I know I've talked about this before, but I go so back and forth where, like, one day I'd be like, yeah, I have these, like, you know, dreams or, mm-hmm. you know, sort of goals, but goals on this dream mm-hmm. side of things as far as, like, the long-term podcasting mm-hmm. goes. And then the next day, be like, yeah, I think as soon as we're done with this, we're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Kind of seesaws like that. Yeah, it's like I'll be like, oh, wow, we got a lot of listens today. Yeah, yeah, maybe someday. <laughs> you know, stars in my eyes and whatnot. <laughs> See, I was thinking about that the other day. You were talking about, you know, potential follow-ups or whatever. Right. And I think we just start back over season one, episode <laughs> one. and then But we'll be able to approach it from a different perspective after mm-hmm. having been through everything. And maybe we switch it up where, like, if if I did the recap the first time around, then Ski would do it the next time around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we rotate it that way. And then the third time around, the third person could do the recap for that particular episode. And then we see if, like, after doing three and a half more years of, <laughs> of episodes, if our greatest episode changed or if we still exactly, stuck with the exactly. same one. Well, you know, maybe exactly. we could do maybe we could do it differently slightly. It would be we'd restrain it to, like, about a half hour each or something. Mm. And so, so like, it would all be condensed. But so, uh, so when we got together to do recaps, we do, like, eight episodes at a time. Yeah. <laughs> and then just get together every two months to do another block of them. <laughs> well, no, because I think, like, then we can be, like, you know, whenever we get to the final episode, whatever lessons the Goldens have learned by that point, mm. then when we start back over, we'd be like, oh, they got another thing coming because in season <laughs> six, they're going to have egg on their face because... <laughs> See, now, I would be Oh, more... they say that now, but... Exactly. Leslie Nielsen shows up. All bets are off. <laughs> See, I, I have no interest in this plan of yours, but if I were to have an interest in even a, a, a some sort of an aspect, I would rather us do recaps of our recaps uh-huh. because then... Each of our recaps gets three more listens guaranteed <laughs> because we need to be <laughs> listening to it to then do it. And then mm-hmm. you two would have to take the responsibility you both earned for our low ratings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I'm on, I'm on board with that for the simple fact that once we finished through our recaps of our recaps, mm-hmm. I would know that I would have 189 votes for MVP. <laughs> I would vote for, for myself every single time. Well, I'd vote for myself every time, and then I'd have to convince Ski to give me at least one vote. <laughs> so that nope, I win the season. I'm Rose all the way. Maybe Sophia. He's, he's going to vote for his fellow working man and not management. <laughs> and that's why he's not getting a raise. <laughs> exactly. Now, if we did it again, uh, I, I won't say it's a regret I have, but I think... Uh, <laughs> Do you mean the, doing the series at all? No, no, no. <laughs> starting no. down this path. No. Yeah. I was, was going to say... I would... by that I don't curse Alan's mom and sister for this <laughs> cursed software. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I was going to... I would uh, be much more meticulous on uh, like the facts and stuff. Like If they say something in an episode, I would follow that down the rabbit hole like mm-hmm. like exactly what they say mm-hmm. and have like this intricate branch of like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. they say that kind of like the uh, Lindstrom yeah. like, like yeah. tie-in. Yeah. So, well, it's, it's not too late to course correct <laughs> you know, with your next recap. You can <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know you, you find yourself with so much extra time. I do. Between all, yeah, so... 
Exactly. So empty most of my right. days. <laughs> Anyways, well, well, we've got plenty of time to decide on what lies after this, and you know, plenty more episodes to survive. To be honest, so sweet just to finish this one. Lies after this, <laughs> <laughs> so how sweet it is. Exactly. <laughs> Take yeah. my all spark, Lord. <laughs> Take it now. <laughs> yeah. Well. You're Starscream. I'm Optimus Prime, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> I'm Jazz. <laughs> and Ski's Bumblebee. Exactly. Uh, now he'd probably be like, what, Grizzlock, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Fan favorite, but still a little yeah, yeah. unrefined. <laughs> a little dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, with all of that nonsense, uh, stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.